episode 230 here with Andrew and Craig, and uh, we're going to be recording a little later on with someone whose name has been brought up many, many, many times. I sound like the commissioner in Police Academy many, 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 many times. His name has been brought up on this show many times. So I look forward to this, and he will come out. He won't be a part of this episode. But this week or, or next week, it, it won't be as much of a timely thing. But I'm really looking forward to sitting down and talking to this guy. But our guest today, Craig, good morning, bud. I'm looking forward to chatting to because there aren't two guys, I think, that played on one team that I didn't know which one I wanted to kill more than the other. And that was just my rookie year. So you're going to tell people who it is, or are you just going to leave them hanging? Like, holy, oh, you were going to tell here. I thought you Why were going to Why would I do tell. that? You, you just sat there and talked for five minutes. Sheldon Surrey. Sheldon Surrey. Old uh, Montreal Canadian uh, team. Was that a long mind. intro? That was a long intro, but, uh, you know, listen, I like I, uh, I like hearing you talk. I like hearing I, you talk. Well, listen, I mean, um, Surrey is going to be coming up uh in a, in a in another episode we're going to be uh actually doing him later on today he's uh currently in Las Vegas where he resides and uh you know we we did the player cast with him with uh for Sportsnet um probably uh, what a couple weeks back a month ago uh, yeah maybe a month ago and uh it was awesome i haven't talked to shelly uh in in a very long time we had a really really fun time in montreal he's a great great teammate and it was amazing i haven't talked to him in probably six seven years and we got on the phone together and that's the amazing part about it is it felt like we had talked to each other yesterday it was right back to uh just figuring out what the our, our families are doing what we're doing in life right now and just all the stuff in between and then all of a sudden once that got out of the way it was busting balls and just having fun and laughing and going over a bunch of uh things that uh that we did throughout our careers and it was just an awesome conversation so i'm really excited to have him on here today um or not today but uh in in another episode that will probably be uh out in the next week or so but can't wait this guy is literally one of the rock stars that i i just with. want to know if he'll tell us what happened with kovalev that's all i want to know i want to thousand hear percent thousand percent he'll, he'll tell he'll, the story he'll tell you oh he has he has absolutely he was furious <laughs> and i mean furious after that game and if you were to be in the dressing room it was it was next level next level so, um, we'll let him tell the story and it's awesome. Everybody remembers that, uh, when we were playing, I think the Boston Bruins at the time who were, who were an absolute uh, powerhouse. And, uh, there was a little, there was a, 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 a tiny little tap or slash on, on the wrist of, uh, Alex Kovalev and he tried to sell something and it went wrong because they went. They walked right in, waltzed in, and uh, ended up Glenn scoring Murray. A, an Was overtime winner. Murray, yeah. Big Glenn Murray. Murray. Yep. What's, you? What's interesting about him, too, is when he did get traded to Montreal, it was a, it was a shock to everybody. Um, and I had a perception playing against him and watching him that he was, you know, this six foot two, 185 pound guy. He looked like he was very smooth, elusive, like the most skilled player one-on-one -on -one with the puck, bar none in the last 50 years. There's not, there's not a guy that that one-on-one -on -one with the puck was better than Alex Kovalev. And my perception of him is that he was smaller, much more skilled. Um, and I'm going to tell you this. He walked into our dressing room to get ready for practice. And my jaw dropped on the ground. I didn't realize that he's 230 pounds. I did not realize that he was literally built like a fire hydrant. His legs were massive. I mean, tree trunks, his upper body. And I'm thinking to myself, then all of a sudden, I he sat right across from me in the dressing room. And I realized 
that he doesn't even wear equipment. He literally does not even wear equipment. He his elbow pads are literally look like they were elbow pads from when he was like 12 years old. His shoulder pads, he didn't even have shoulder pads. They were literally just strings on top of his jersey. And that's why he looks a lot smaller than everyone else is because he didn't have any equipment. He didn't wear a normal hockey pant. He wore the 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 girdle. You remember like that are a lot lighter and a yeah. lot smaller. I, I wore a girdle. A girdle and shell. Yeah. Loved it. But yeah, he, but, he was yeah. more of a skill guy doing it. But Insane. Insane. You know, I, I've told this story to you before that at the end of practice, all the team would, at the end of every practice, the team coach would blow the whistle. Boys get in the middle, um, uh, center ice, and we just basically stretch, talk, you know, just after a good hard day's work, right? And quite often, and I don't know why, I think I was just a, literally the biggest sucker of all time, that I was asked by Kovi and Saku Koivu to play one-on-one. And it was a one-on-one keep away. One puck, three guys. I didn't get very much uh, out of that skate okay because i had the puck maybe two percent out of the hundred and these two guys dangled me and i'm not kidding you when i say this like listen i i I think i was a pretty solid player back in the day that i could hold my own and try and get a puck away from guys but these two guys that i played with in uh, kovalev and koivu were two of the best puck protection players that I've ever seen. And in the NHL right now, if you go look at the NHL, it is all about puck protection. It is all about dealing with extreme pressure and being able to turn your back and knowing what to do with the puck when you have it. So anyway, those guys, wow. Insanely, insanely skilled. Kovalev, insanely skilled. Well, you've never told the story, so I just want to know if, if, and and don't tell you, tell it. Trade deadline stuff. We've covered the whole league. So if you're into the whole league stuff, that's episode 29, 28, all the trades that had taken place. But the Buffalo Sabres, because on Friday we had Vanek and Brian Gianta on, and I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation. Um, but Thomas brought up, and you have brought up for a long time. I gotta say it. We never take credit. We've we've tossed a lot of shit out there. We've coached this team a few times from our couches. From our couches. From our couches. Don't throw. You can't. You couches. gotta throw that in there. There, but there was a time where I thought we were in the lead for the Jack Adams Award after the whistle. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, we, well, listen. I mean, we were we were taken over from our couches for Don Granado, and uh, we made some good moves. So Friday, we brought up Jordan Greenway, and Friday the Sabers acquired Jordan Greenway for a third yeah. round pick and a fifth round pick. So much less than I think we even thought. Say that was, again. Was a no second round pick. Second and second and fifth. Yeah, sorry. Great trade. We'll talk about Stillman, but Greenway's the story here. Okay. Um, Listen, I mean, I we we have not. uh, I haven't put anything out on social media. I've just let the the old festering of everything that's happened on Friday and the trade deadline went by, and you have Kevin Adams who spoke to the media. And you have all the the you know the Mike Harringtons and the and the Paul Hamiltons uh, you know write their articles, and then you have the festering of people that love the trades and don't love the trades. And Kevin Adams needs to be removed from his position because he's not making enough trades uh, right now. And then there's the others that are like he is absolutely doing exactly um, what this team should be doing. And then you just take a deep breath. And that's kind of what we've done. We've taken a deep breath, let it all um, sink in. And we just will, first of all, start with Jordan Greenway. Now, I don't think that there is a person out there currently right now that does not believe that this is a good move for the Buffalo Sabres. Now, when you look at his statistics, it's certainly something that you're scratching your head. Okay. 
Um, his statistics right now are nowhere near where they need to be. But here's the thing. When you go and make a move like this and you understand who this person is, Jordan Greenway, and what I mean by that is Don Granato is, 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 is the coach of the National Development Program when Jordan Greenway was there. So he understood him. He knows who he is. Alex Tuck knows who he is. He played with him in the minors. Tage Thompson played with him on the National Development Program. So you're talking about the most important thing first. Can this player fit in to the culture and the group that these guys have built? Because two years ago, it was an absolute disaster. This team now, seems to be very tight, which is very important for success moving forward. So the question is, can he fit into this group? I think the, I think the players have answered those questions. Okay. I'm sure that Kevin Adams has done a tremendous amount of due diligence on this player as a person, not the hockey side of things as a person away from the rink and who he is. And he's decided to make this, this move. Now, what I love about this situation is Jordan Greenway hasn't come close yet to hitting a ceiling in the NHL. I think Kevin Adams bought low. Okay. He bought the stock low and now it's to build the company. Now it's to build up Jordan Greenway and no one better. And I'm going to tell you this, and I, I believe this, I believe this Petey that there's no one better right now in the NHL to gain confidence in a player than Don Granato. He's proven whether he it's my open was long. Holy shit. Yeah. Okay. I, but, but look at that and, and say Don no. Granato has done well by a lot of players starting with Darlene and Yoki Haru and Casey Middlestat and Tage Thompson. Well, and you I, just continue to go through it. And it's like he, his track record for getting players to play at a higher level. I look at it. As, I, I read something today. Tyson Jost. Tyson Jost was brought here off waivers. And now you look at Tyson Jost and he has played very well for this team very well for this team. I have high expectations for Greenway. So I mean if people look at his stats and they're they're thinking, oh, you know, what you know, big deal. He, what does he have? He has two goals right now. Oh, two, oh, five points. Seven, points seven points in 45 games, which yeah, is I know I, I know it's low. I know it's I know it's low for him. And I I that's what I that's it's great that that's what he has. And I, I did know that I just I guess I kind of hoped it was a little bit better, but but that's fine. Because I have really high expectations for him. I mean, I, I, I believe I know where I would like him to fit in the lineup. I don't know if that's where he will fit, but where I mean, do you does, where do you feel he's going to fit? Well, I, I'd like to see I know where he this is not where he's going to go and I believe I believe he's going to play with Middlestat. I think that's probably where he'll end up playing. I would okay. love to see him with cousins and Quinn. but you know that you have a six foot three, six foot four centerman, you know a six foot one goal scorer on the right side, and a six foot six power forward on the left side. And Dylan Cousins can kind of do all of that. And Dylan Cousins' game probably skyrockets because he's got Jordan Greenway on his wing. I mean, he'll play. He's everyone's going to play a little bit bigger when they're on that guy's line. Now, I don't want to go and give the perception that he's going to come in here and be some kind of a heavyweight, but I mean, he's going to. He's he's a puck possession guy. He's a strong, very skilled player. We are talking about a very skilled. He has potential to get points. So I have an expectation for this guy to be producing for this team right off the bat because I he's not going on the fourth line. What is a, what is what is a fourth line? On on our team in particular, what is a fourth line? Who is the fourth line? And that's a question that needs to be asked. Well, I like think you... people assume these types of players go on the fourth line. Two goals, three assists, six, six. You know, they hear physical or power forward and they 
they probably say, ah, you know, there's use for that on the fourth line. Well, that that couldn't be further from the truth. So I see him as a as a second, third line guy. Sec, I would love to see him playing with Dylan Cousins. Whoever you put on the other side, if you have to keep Quinn and Paterka together, whatever your suggestions are, that's fine. But I would love to see him play with Dylan Cousins. Yeah. Um. Maybe, maybe, I I would say maybe to start. And I think he has the potential of, to be a forty point player in this league. No problem. I I do too. I do too. I I see Jordan Greenway of be, of being a player that, um, when put in put it put in a position to play with other very skilled players and have his skill set come out and understand how to use his skill set. Okay, because. His skill set is going to be very different than Victor Olson's skill set. Okay. Um, and I think a Jordan Greenway, for an example, needs to understand how to have, have success in this league. And I don't think he's figured it out. And I think that's where Don Granado is going to come in. That's where Matt Ellis is going to come in and Christie are going to come in. They deal with the the forwards. They're going to do video with this player. They're going to say, listen, if you want to have success, these are the things that you need to do each and every game with consistency, and you will have the results. You will find the results. But right now, Jordan, Jordan Greenway is not going to step into this lineup and immediately have success. I think you're it's wrong. Going, it's going to take time. Why? Are you because just playing he's the same environment? There? No, no way. He's, he's he, going to be excited. The yep. players are going to be excited to have him okay. in the lineup. Are you kidding me? Yep. The fans are going to be excited to have him in the lineup. I, I think I understand. This is a complete. You know, he's from New York State, right? Like he's a New York State guy. Yep. I have no. I probably should have looked this up. Do you know where? Let's see, he's from Canton. East is it? Hold on a sec. Do you know where he's from? Let's check this Canton. out. Canton, New York. Okay. Isn't there a Canton, Ohio, too? Isn't that where the Football Hall of Fame is? You know why I feel that he is going to go through some growing pains with Buffalo? He's 220 miles away. Is that why? Go ahead. No. That's all I was saying. Oh, okay. No. I, I was just going to say that um, Jordan Greenway is going to go through some growing pains and, 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 and it has nothing to do with um, the new beginning, the new start, the excitement of his opportunity here with Buffalo. Ultimately, he needs to get his game back. He has not played the Jordan Greenway game that has made him successful that has made him and put him in a position to be a second round draft pick it he has not played to the level of when he made the national development program back when he was 16 17 and 18 he has some time don granado the coaching staff will work with him i don't want to hear this show him I'm exactly sorry. Exactly what he needs to do. What to have does he success. need to do? And he it's going to, what, and it's what going does he to need to do? Time. What is what does he need to do? Let's like honest to God. To do? Yeah. What does he need to do? You have he needs success to come in or, here and play the wing. You said the wing is the easiest okay. position. And what is that? What is that? What is check, his job he needs to get his ass on the puck in the offensive zone. He needs to go okay. and run some bodies over. He needs okay, to so make is he doing that in Minnesota? Low. Well, he's going to get more opportunity to do that here. Like I didn't ask play. the question. Did he do that in Minnesota? I don't know. There's kind of mixed he reviews didn't. on him. He looked like he was lost. So did he know how to forecheck? Did he know what he needed to do? Did he camp out with his six foot six, 230-pound bodily in front of the net? Was he making it a nightmare for defensemen? Was he, you know, in the neutral zone and how they how they defended and how they forechecked? Like he needs to figure out 
what it is for him to have success. And he needs to figure out his game. And that's going to take a that's little the, bit of but time. This no is offense, a perfect no player. But that's the easiest game to play in the entire league. What What is it? What is this game? What you just described. So, so he needs, to, he has to figure it out. I, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping. He... No, no. I just described every player's game in the NHL. How no, you forecheck, but... how you backcheck, how you defend in the neutral zone. When do you go? Where do you want to go with the players that you're playing with? Okay, the players that he's going to be playing with, and I don't know who he's going to be playing with, but who he's going to be go playing to with net. is going to be more. What do you mean? If he's playing with, if he's playing with, let's say, Middlestad and Olafson, and they're going up yep. the, I mean, going, they cross the blue line with the puck. You think yep. I want him to sit in a high slot for the puck? Fuck no. Get to the paint. Sorry, it's not. It's not that hard. If that puck is it's loose, not that hard. If, if it wasn't that hard, then he wouldn't have two fucking goals in forty-five games. Uh, I mean, I don't know. What's his uh, he hasn't what? figured it out. Yes, uh, he hasn't figured it out. Well, you know what? Don Granado is going to help him figure it out. Well, He's going just to by help playing him with better players. Out. Go to the front of the net in the in the offensive zone, and if the puck's in the corner, go get it. And if they well, have make the it puck sound so corner, easy, but right. you know what? He's playing in the best league in the world against the best players in the world, and he's got two goals. And he's six foot confidence, six, confidence, man. He just needs confidence and a fresh start. I think he, I think he, he look at his stats before this year. So he's figured it out. You're going based off this year alone. Okay. You're going based off this last year, or two years ago in 21, 22 in yeah, 62. Go ahead. He's a, he, well, he's a he 35, 40, he's a 35, 40 point player yeah. kind of in his career. Yeah. Not overwhelming. Okay. Not overwhelming. For his skill set and size and strength, and he's a very good skater, he is underachieved. Do you understand? Uh, yeah, I do. Okay. I do. I'm just so he's I, not I, jumping into the fucking Buffalo lineup, and all of a sudden things are gonna change and he's gonna become a 25 goal scorer, and he's I just gonna say all that. of a sudden have I didn't success. say that, but I, I That's don't... exactly what you just said. No, I it's exactly what you just if said. He plays 20 games here. I think he can match his point totals. I think he can get seven, eight points while he's here. That's almost that's over. Well, four eights is 32. If he got eight points here in 20 games, that's a 32 point pace over 80 games okay. even. Yeah. So uh, that's exactly what that's exactly what I expect of him. And if he yeah. if he comes here and gets eight points in 20 games, which people are probably like, holy fuck, eight points. That's that's not blowing anybody away. Well, no, you don't understand. That's not the point. He doesn't have to blow anybody away. He has to be a presence. There's, there's like as Craig has mentioned, there's so much more that comes with it. But I don't think eight points is unreasonable if you put him in the right place. Yeah, and I think you should put him in the right place. There's a huge upside in this player, and that's why we we've talked about him for months. Like this is not something that hey, this comes up a week before trade deadline. We were talking about Jordan Greenway. For months, he's a player that is not going to be in your top six. It's not going to be in your top six. Your top six, ultimately right now, I feel are, are, are locked down future guys. You're going to have Thompson. You're going to have Tuck. You're going to have Skinner. You're going to have Cousins. You're going to have Quinn. And J.J. Paterka is going to have an extremely, and I mean extremely good chance of playing in the top six each and every night. We're talking about a 20-year-old kid who just turned 21 in his first year in the league. And he looks, he can skate, he can shoot. He's a very talented player. He's just young. He's super youthful. But let me tell you, J.J. Paterka, as he continues to grow and get older and stronger, and he is going to explode onto the scenes. That's how skilled J.J. Paterka is. And I think Quinn is the okay. same thing. There's your top six. Now you have a middle stat. That you have to think about. You have an Olsen you have to think about. You have a Greenway you have to think about. You have a Peyton Krebs you have to think about. What do you do with Jost? What do you do with Kyla Poso? What do you do with Gergensen? This is where your Kevin Adams is going to have to round out his bottom six. And whatever those guys are, whoever those guys are, I don't know. But I can tell you this, Jordan Greenway is going to be on one of those bottom two pairs 
when everyone is healthy in this lineup. And he's going to be a very, very useful player. I listen, I that's why I was saying I was that's why I mentioned I said I would like to see him play with cousins, but I feel like he's going to play with Middlestad, which might be good for Casey Middlestad. Yeah, why why not? I mean, you know, I mean Greenway can skate, man. If you can, can hit fly. if you can hit the big man going to the net, Casey's a nice playmaker. <laughs> yes, he is. I could see Casey putting some pucks right on his tape. No question. No so, question. And and listen, listen, Jordan Greenway can make plays. I don't want to just make this sound like this guy's a, a go to the net with your stick on the ice type guy. He has skill and ability to make good hockey plays. Yep. So there's a lot of potential here. Whether it works out, that's that's not up to us. But there now is they a- just need to make one more trade in the forward line, and I'm 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 all set with our lineup. All right. It's well, the deadline's over. A little, so we can little, talk well, about no, no, no. I mean, listen. I mean, teams year. aren't built just on on trade deadline. Most no, teams I, are I built don't. very much in the off season, and teams are going in different directions and may want to do something different. And I'll Let's, tell you right now. I'll just throw it out there. And I know people are going to be like, "You're freaking nuts!" But go, please, 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 go get me Tom Wilson. Please get me Tom Wilson. I know you're laughing. I know. I get it. That's that's a crazy, crazy thought. Go get Tom Wilson. Go get Tom okay. Wilson. All right. Uh, let's talk he Riley is, Stillman. All right. All right. Kevin I, Adams uh, listen, actually I mean, said the other day, you know, in his in his press conference, that they wanted to go and address a need. Felt they were getting bullied. Yep. Got a a defenseman who. Yep. 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 You know, I had to do some research on. I wasn't overly familiar with him. I obviously, I've seen games that he's played in, but he's not a household name. So clearly a very well thought out pickup and a relationship with the father as well. Won a Stanley Cup with his dad, Corey. And, yeah, I uh, hated his dad in Peterborough. Oh my God, he was so good. His dad was awesome back in the day when he was playing for the Peterborough Peets. But go ahead. Sorry. Oh, that's it. And I mean, there's obviously a, a relationship to the family there. So he looked good. I, I, I can't remember who it was. Did he catch Sorelli going down the boards? Who did he get? He got just absolutely great. Crushed somebody with an unbelievable hip check. I, and I, I can't remember tell who you, was, 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 was that, I feel like it might've been, could have been Sorelli. Yep. Yep. It doesn't it really matter Sorelli. who it was, but it was a, a hit and beautiful that I love. Because it keeps the other team honest and not just freewheeling like they're just going to be flying down and no one's going to hit them, and which has basically been the mantra of of uh, Buffalo the entire year with with uh, the hitting part of the game. And I'm not saying hitting wins, like I'm not saying hitting wins, but you know it does help and it does wear teams down and give you a little bit of honesty and. You know, Kevin Adams went and addressed some of that. And, and you know, um, Stillman, Stillman played well. He played well. He played well in his first game against Boston. I think it was against Boston, right? And he was physical in that game also. And I just want to say one thing. Um, a really crappy result to the fight with Tanner Janot. But I'm going to tell you right now, I absolutely love it. I absolutely love what Riley Stillman did. He's understanding of what this team needs in Buffalo and stood up to a very, very, very tough uh, opponent in, in J- Tanner Janot. And listen, I mean, got the worst of it on this on this occasion, okay? And I, I, I look at it and I feel, I feel bad for Riley Stillman because it was awesome what he did. And he, and it, it happens to the best of us. It happened to, if, if, if you're fighting in, in this league, then you're going to have some nights that uh, you wish you didn't have. And he had one of them. He got, ended up getting knocked down and uh, it is what it is. He's out. He's out. So, um, but I love, I love his character and I love his physicality. And, and I was, I was pleased with, with how he responded. Um, and remember how and, that, do you remember how that felt 
when yes. you saw a player on your team. I remember how it the felt video, as a player having it happen to you, and I remember it. Well, I remember uh, it, well, how fuck, it felt I mean, when that it, goes. That goes without saying. I'm not. I did. I'm not trying to relive those moments. I want to talk about other people getting knocked out. Not, <laughs> not but I feel. I feel like man. I, I. I feel so bad for this young man coming on to a new team, knowing that that's kind of what his teammates need to be a show that hey, the Sabers aren't going to be pushed around by anybody, and he's still up to a real tough guy he ended up getting the worst of it i wish i was in that dressing room right now because i would be going over and basically just saying hey thank you oh fuck no one else does it he's the only guy on the team has the guts to go and fight a tanner janeau anyway so no one on that bench knows what that's like or how hard that is to do and clearly you know maybe going a little bit out of his weight class there i give him a ton of credit just as a job man yeah but watching the fight going over it, I watched it a number of times. It, it's just, it's too bad. And I don't even know if they even discuss this. I don't know if, I don't know who there is having a conversation about this part of the game. Like everybody's talking about power play and penalty kill, and you have to forecheck this way. You have to be in yeah. your system in the defensive like, did zone. Did Riley that way. Stillman know how fucking strong Tanner Janot is? Because he, he looked, he went he into extremely it. fucking powerful. He he went in. I I wish I could go over that with him because um you have to understand who you're fighting first and foremost. If you if you're fighting a guy that you feel very confident and you understand who you're dealing with, you can you can be maybe a little bit more open. But there's certain there's certain fights like this one for Riley Riley Stillman. He should have fought differently. He was very open, swinging for the fences. Not something you want to do against a certain guy like Tanner Janot, who is probably known more for this type of thing. Um, I think it should have been a little bit more patient. I think he, he, we, we both mentioned watching the fight that he did not have the proper grab on the jersey, which is very important. Well, um, all I'm these watching it things, right now, and and Janot backed up and. Like he got watch, watch how calm Janot is, and Stillman just goes right at him. Like Stillman should have just kind of stopped, yes. and then kind of slowly kind of let them come together because yes, that's a that's a probably a guy you're not very familiar with. I, I don't I don't know if they have a history or not, but he comes in and he tucks his head in and like he doesn't get a good hold. He get he gets the shoulder. Well, pad, he comes in. Like the he worst he comes spot. in too quick. Do you not agree how yeah, quick yeah, he came he in? Too he did not grab shoulder. properly. He should have gotten near the his shoulder. elbow. Should have got near his elbow between his elbow and his shoulder. That's where he had to grab. That's that's the money spot for oh, uh, for I two mean, guys like this. I mean, but again, it happens. It's adrenaline. The man. Best that's adrenaline. That's what yeah. that is. That's you know, that's two guys that it's got I mean, big balls. So, and that's for me. Um, and you know, Janot is just that. looking to try to set the world on fire after being traded for so much with so much to prove, send a message. I mean, that's, that's a tough one. Janot looks strong, man. He looks very aggressive. He looks very, very aggressive. And he was patient with that last uppercut. And, and Stillman was just scrambling to try to find his, his grab and, and he never got it. It happens yep. all the time. And swinging for the fences too much. I I I think that uh, again, when you go back, and and it's like anything else, you need to go back. You know, guys who do fight in this league normally go back, and they they break down their fight and things that they can do better, things that can be smarter. Ultimately, at the end of the day, you want to be that guy that's going to stand up for your teammates, but you also want to protect yourself. That's the first and foremost, and you have to know who you're fighting against. And uh, listen, all good, uh, all good learning experience uh, for uh, Riley Stillman. But I'll tell you right now, he's got a big set of nuts on him. Did he go after I, him? How did this start? Yes, he absolutely went after him. So it was uh, he. He was looking for it, and um, you know, good, good for him. Um, and hopefully he gets back and he's healthy soon because, uh, I thought he was pretty strong, uh, when he was playing in the lineup, I'm watching it here on slow motion and it, it, you just, you can see there's a point, there's a point where he, he's going toward him. This is 
Jano's smart, man. Jano is he's smart. He's going backward, and then he kind of like slams on the brakes and grabs him, and he wasn't expecting that. I think he was he was he. I think he thought Jano was going to go further back, and he'd have more room, <laughs> little more room, and he just kind of slammed on the brakes and reached and grabbed him, and then you just see Stillman right away get his arms up trying to, you know, find a hold. Anyway. Good on him. Hope he hope he recovers. He's exactly what the Sabres need. And they have Edmonton in here tonight. So I meant to ask you about Edmonton. Um, when a team like Buffalo sees Edmonton rolling in, does McDavid make them nervous? I mean, uh, I know you have Tage Thompson and you have Skinner, yes. but... Yes, he does. Yes, Yes, he does. I mean, um, Connor McDavid has shown for for many years that he's been in the league that he is individually able to beat not only a player one on one but multiple players. He's shown that. All you got to do is watch Sportsnet. I mean, it, it it's Connor McDavid is an elite individual talent in this league. And I think with where he's at right now in his game as an individual, he is producing points like no other player since, since what? Mario Lemieux. Mario Lemieux. Like who who scored a hundred, who's the last person to score 150, 160 points? Mario Lemieux. That's, that's crazy. Crazy. Or Yager. One of the two. But I know is is like 150 something. It was like 95, 96. And the funny thing is, we sit here and you you ask me that question. You ask me the question. Are the Sabers are the Sabers nervous when Connor McDavid comes in? And I sit there and I and I I talked about this last time we spoke about Edmonton, and I'm like, how disrespectful is this for Leon Dreisaitl? <laughs> The guy's got 96 points, 96 points in 62 games. Have you seen Leon Dreisaitl's point totals? Like this guy is, is next level world-class in, in, in 2018, 19, he had 50 goals and 105 points in 1920. He had 43 goals, 110 points in 71 games. He missed 11 games that year had 110 points. In 56 games the next year, he had 31 goals and 84 points. He was on pace like, I mean, he had 25 games left, 26 games left. It was Lemieux in 95-96. He had 161 points. Carry on. Last year, Leon Dreisaitl, 55 points, 110 points. 55 goals, 110 points in 80 games. This year, he has 96 points in 62 games. This guy is literally world class. Like, I mean, off, off. So, are the, you changing the, the discussion to Dreisaitl then? Now, no, and I'm, not, I think I'm, not, and I'm I saying think it's appropriate. The just, discussion to I, give I, respect to a guy that absolutely. So then, as the 100%. duo, do the two of them? Yeah, do the two absolutely. of them. Okay, that's what I want you to say. That's okay. what I, I think. Leon Dreisaitl Sorry has absolutely earned the ability. But I don't think like okay, fine. I get that. But don't you, but McDavid, McDavid is, is a highlight reel and he does it starting from his own end. I don't know how many times highlight reels where I've seen dry pick up the puck behind his own net or by the goal crease and fucking blow by everybody. That's what I'm talking about. Getting embarrassed, not even point wise. I'm talking about like McDavid blowing by you so badly. You're like a broken hockey stick. Okay. Like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's not the points. I get it. Dry but dry doesn't, if dry he's more of like a below the tops of the circles, kind of highlight real guy driving the net back post, you know, toe drag, whatever. Just like, re- he reminds me of like a, a, a Peter Forsberg. Okay. Fine. Player. Fine. Heavier, stronger on the puck. Really, really great. Um, Within 15 feet from the That's, net. So now where, do you understand where yeah, I'm talking? Yeah, I totally get. It's like yeah, where you're. Yeah, I totally get where you're coming like, from. Like, like if if there's no McDavid, they're probably not 
warning the defense, like, hey, be aware when McDavid's on the ice. You know, don't be caught standing still. Maybe, you know, you got to back off just a little bit to give yourself a little room to get going because you know what I mean? Yeah. But is that not something that coaches would say? Or, I mean, that not that how you prepare for a guy like that? Well, here's the thing. I mean, every single team in the league, before every game against the Edmonton Oilers, sit down as a team. They do probably, what, 30 minutes? 30 minutes of video on entries of how how Edmonton enters the zone. They They watch how they play defense, their defensive system. Then all of a sudden, after 30 minutes of breaking down the entire Edmonton Oilers, their their strengths and weaknesses, they now go to the power play and they look at Edmonton's power play, which, by the way, is number one in the league by a country mile. Okay? Edmonton right now is is 31.9% on the power play. The second team in the league is Ottawa Senators at 24.9. Like a massive difference. Um, Buffalo is uh, number four, by the way, not a big deal on the power play. Um, but, you know, you, you break down these players. Like these players are being broken down. The penalty killers all get into the room. You try and figure out what you need to do to slow this team down, okay? To try and find a way that we can break down Edmondson's power play, which is so successful. What can we do as a unit? Then you look at the 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 power play, uh, Tage Thompson and Skinner and Tuck and all those guys get into a room and they they break down the other team's penalty kill, what we can expose, all this kind of stuff. So what I'm trying to say at the end of the day is everybody knows that when Connor McDavid is on the ice, your spidey senses go to an extreme. You have to defend. You have to be in good position. You have to be, you have to understand his speed and what he's doing. And you still can't stop him. You still can't stop him. And that's, I mean, what I mean, that's what's so mind boggling about how he plays the game is he's so fast. He's so shifty. You know how and players are. They don't things. want to be. They don't want to be human highlight reels. But on the other side of it, you know, yep, they don't want to be the highlight reels where McDavid's blowing past them or putting the puck through their legs and making them look silly as they cross over and maybe trip or dive for him as a last second case of desperation before he walks in all alone from a hundred feet from the net. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. I I mean, all I know is all I know is that I remember there were games against certain players where the coach would say, "If you see them come on the ice, you get off the ice." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, listen, I mean, and you're just uh, kind of like that's early fine. on in my career. Fine with me, I had the exact same thing. You know, I sat there and they told me if Mary Lemieux's on the ice or Yager's on the ice or Gretzky's on the ice or these elite players get off the ice immediately. I was terrified back then. I was terrified of how the coaches made me feel when those guys stepped on the ice. They were they were almost panicking. That's that's how like I had absolutely no business being on the ice with these guys. But it's relative. It is what it is. You're 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 you want to get the right matchups against this player. And he's world class. You're not going to shut him down completely. Ultimately, what you're trying to do is each and every night take away a little bit of time and space so he can't do the things that he wants to do and just make it tough on him. But you're never going to stop him. You're never going to stop him from getting opportunities. You're trying to limit those opportunities. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. It Sabres are a very interesting team to me. Can't well, massive, to, massive game right now. Yeah, I can't seem to figure them out, man. Like, you know, they win against Tampa. They lose 7-1 to Boston. They lose to Columbus. They beat Washington 7-4. They beat Florida. They beat Tampa. They lose to Toronto. I mean, it's just, if they miss the playoffs, if they miss the playoffs, and we say this all the time, but there are games where you're just kind of like, yeah, yeah, you can go back and look at that one on the schedule and say that one could have cost you two points. But there are games that are 
so obvious that yeah. you gave away points. So what, what are those games? Well, well I don't want to do that right now. That's not fair. I know, we, because if you're doing that, then no. obviously we're going to go back and say, what the hell were we doing beating Boston in Boston? So, like, you can't do that. You can't sit there and say, why did we lose against Arizona? I'm not surprised they beat Boston in Boston. Like, oh, my God, what? No, no, I'm, I think it's more likely for them to to beat Boston in Boston in the way they did. It wasn't a hand. They, it's not like they handed it to them. Won an overtime. Okay. And they had to fight back. Okay. So they beat Boston in Boston. They beat Boston in Boston. Okay. And Boston's lost two games this year. But there are other, know. but, but there are other games. There are other more games that I would say that they should have won than the obvious Boston game that they shouldn't have won. Yep. So I, I can wash that with another game. And there are still multiple examples where I say, How? How does this happen? Yeah. But I'm not doing it right now. I'm not doing well, it. Until listen, they I mean, can you can you understand that uh for me watching the first 60, what is it? What have they played? 62 games this year, 61 games this year. Um, I looked at Sabres and for the first time in 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 over a decade, this is the first time in over a decade that I can finish a season making the playoffs or not making the playoffs and walk away from this with a massive smile on my face, knowing that the Buffalo Sabres have gotten a lot better. This is the youngest team in the league. They're going to drop games to Boston and lose seven one. They're going to drop games to Columbus blue jackets or, or an Arizona coyotes because that's where they're at in their, in their, in their time and their development. I believe that with continued development of these young players, and I hate everybody is so, so, so tired of hearing this, the word development and development and learning and this, it is what it is. And it's all about learning. It's all about getting better. And this team has done some great things. It's going to be, it's going to be a crazy 20, 21 games left in the season. I can't wait because this schedule is like, oh my God, I want to close my eyes because it is very tough. Like, I mean, playing Edmonton, then you got the Islanders who were fighting with a playoff spot for, you got yeah. Dallas, you got you don't the just Rangers, have the Islanders. Toronto. It's like, you have, oh my you have the God. Islanders tomorrow night. Yeah. You know, yeah. in a back-to-backer, right? Then you have Dallas at home on Thursday. Then you have the Rangers on Saturday. Patty Kane's coming back for the first time as a Ranger. Holy shit balls! Crazy, right? Then you're at Toronto Monday. Then you're at Washington Wednesday. Then you're at Philly Friday. Their yeah. season is dictated by the 17th. No, of April. no way. No. Mark it down. No. No, well, Mark, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. You, you can say yes or no. Okay. Now, if I were to ask you this a year and a half ago, two years ago, I can understand exactly what you'd be saying. And I'm going to ask you this. Okay. Number one, do you feel the Buffalo Sabres can beat Edmonton? Yes, yes or no? Yes. What about the Islanders? Yes. What about Dallas? Didn't they beat them already this year? In yes, Dallas? they did. Yeah. Yes, they did. And they yeah. played. And if you remember one that of the game fastest in Dallas, games that we've seen them play, that was one of the best games I've seen uh, Buffalo yeah. play. They were yeah. in one and they knew they were in one and they played awesome. Your question can stop on Saturday night. Okay. The Rangers. That's where I, that's where I sit. And I say, do you think they can beat the Rangers? Damn right. They can Petey. Is it likely that they're going to beat the Rangers? I don't know, but I would say uh, can they, they beat, can the beat the Rangers? I think that's the can one. Can they beat Toronto? Can they beat Toronto? I think they can beat Toronto. Is I think they can beat Washington. Is, I think they can beat like when's Tuck back? Like, they can beat I, every team in the league. They can beat every single team in the league. Depends what team shows up. Do. If we get the team exactly. from Columbus, we're done. Exactly. 
that's and 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 here's the thing if if you're dealing with a uh you know a middle of the range team middle age team you're scratching your head and you're losing these games then you got a problem you get the but, team that played against the leafs you're done it's not youth, it's not it's, a, it's, it's that's, not the, do you, the, do you the not chop that up to youth it's the uh, do I chalk that up to youth? Yes, I did. I think chalk JJ Paterka understands yeah. the magnitude in his very first year, very first time playing Toronto Maple Leafs. Do you no, think he understands it. the magnitude of it? Do you think Jack Quinn does? Do you think Owen Power does? I got None it. Of these I guys made that point do, the day after. Right? Yeah. They're young. They're learning. Yeah, I get it. And I'm going to tell you, in, in a year from now, this this time next year, this team that won't be new the, to them with the development. Do you think Jack Quinn's going to be better next year at this time than what he is right now? Currently? Absolutely. That's these young guys are going to continue. Their games are going to be, they're going to be faster. They're going to be more confident. They're going to understand the speed of the NHL. They're going to understand the grind, the long season of the NHL. All these things are going to continue to get better. And other teams, other teams can't say that because they're 27 or 28 or 30 year old guy that's on their roster who, who makes up their entire roster. Those guys aren't getting better. Those guys aren't learning and they're not going to get better next year because they've already been in the league for eight years. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a growth, a maturity growth, a physical growth, a mental growth in a lot of the players as, as they continue to move forward here in, in Buffalo. Well, awesome. we'll see. We'll see what happens with Connor McDavid in the house tonight. ESPN Plus and Hulu, ladies and gentlemen. Let suck me know how the game goes. Suck on that it. one. <laughs> NHL is a joke, man. Oh, I mean, man. I cannot. Re- I cannot believe that I can just not go they to did. my cable provider, or whatever that is. When you see the games that they put on, it's so calculated how they. They suck and take advantage of these poor fans that already have the MSG on their channels. They just want to watch it on their obvious, their already paid for cable channel where they watch all their games over the years. Now they, it's an additional and, and it's fine. I have the package. Okay. I have the package, but I'm still complaining about it because I shouldn't have to do it. Okay, yeah. I have the NHL package, which shows all those other games on TV, channel 700 in my cable thing. And I can't even get this game. So it pisses me off to no end, to no end. And I can't imagine it because how many, it's how many so people calculated are the same thing? because, you know, Sabre fans, they know the math. The Buffalo Sabres have not been in the playoffs for 12 years, but they have been at the top of the ratings for viewership for the last 12 years because it is a hockey market. Yep. Okay. Massive hockey market. Okay. And they just, and now you have the greatest player in the last 50 years to step on the fucking ice in Buffalo and you force to go these fans to go and buy this package to watch McDavid play against their team. It's horseshit, but I have the, I'm the sucker. I have it. I'm going to (laughs) watch Can you FaceTime me and I can just watch through your phone? You can just point it at the TV for me. So irritating. You know what? They'll find a way to bill us for that. They can document everything. They're watching. They're all watching us. They're all watching us. They're all watching us. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator76. And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.